It's the Bible Rundown. What day are we on? We're on day 110. 2 Samuel 9 through 11 and Luke 15. It's a good day. It's a great day. Pastors Rob and David. Rob, this uh, kindness that David shows to Mephibosheth is really critical, not just because it's Jonathan's son and, and David wants to show kindness to the house of Saul and its descendants, Um there's a big gospel principle here, right? In terms of, are we looking to serve those that serve us in return? Or will we really freely give in the way that we have freely received? Yeah, so in the essence of the gospel, Christ died for sinners. And when we can give to those who have nothing to offer back to us, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. And so, you know, when we look look to those who are um, as God has looked to the orphan and the widow and those that are in need uh, we we find the heart of God here and so this is a great picture of that and I was thinking you know just one last thought on this too I I think it, it was common right in these biblical times to view somebody that maybe would have these kind of physical ailments and we're going to see it in even the healings of Jesus who sinned this yeah. man or his parents, that God would curse him with this. Mm. It'd be easy for David to say, hey, Mephibosheth is, is being paid back by God for being part of the household of Saul. Right. And so, man, just uh, overall, we keep talking about the picture that David represents of Christ and just mm. this, this gospel principle. Because we're Mephibosheth, right? We, we, we are sinners. We're broken. We're wounded. We're marred by sin. And yet... yeah. God says, come into my presence, sit at my table and eat. Yeah. But chapter 10 is important too because it's going to set up why chapter 11 should stand out to us uh, as unique, right? And so chapter 10 talks about the Ammonites and the Syrians that will mount up against David. We're going to see kind of this same script play out in Israel's own history in the future where uh, the king that ascends to the throne is given bad counsel that really results in a lot of turmoil for the kingdom. And that's essentially what happens here. This king that ascends following the death of his father uh, does not get good advice, tries to go against David rather than receiving him in the way that David wanted to come uh, and bless him. And so uh, it leads to this war. The battles carry forward, and that's where chapter 11 brings us yeah so david is already starting to not head to battle it says in verse seven and when david heard of it he sent joab and all the host of the mighty men and so he's kind of getting into this picture of i'm the king i'm gonna do what i want to do i'm gonna send somebody for me complacency maybe right complacent yeah and we see that it opens up in the spring of the year the time when kings go out to battle He's making a quote here. Samuel is, or the writer of Second Samuel is David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, but David remained in Jerusalem, and he goes out and he's not only complacent not to be leading as the warrior king that he is by the Lord's doing, Ooh. but what else? He's sitting on a couch. And he sees this woman. We can relate to that. How many men do you know just sit on the couch, watch TV? 
Well, you put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then we just see the same description. Get off the couch! Same description in James of how sin, right? Right. It does not become sin just through the temptation, but when you act on it. And what does David do? He doesn't stop at just looking at this woman. Right. He inquires about her. Right. Then he seeks her out. And then he has her brought to him. And where do we go from there? Yeah, so so it's a process of his own heart and seeing his almost letting his guards down because we haven't seen this before from him, this type of wickedness. We have only seen a man after God's own heart. He's chasing after uh, after he's being chased by Saul, so he's mm-hmm. having to trust in the Lord in this. He's fighting battles. He's having to trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's now become king, and now he's kind of uh, sitting back and going, yeah. He's resting in his laurels, David. Yeah. And now he's got to learn uh, the hard way that he is not the Messiah. And the, and the people have to see this. We, we have this story in the Bible to know that ultimately he's not Israel's forever king. Yeah. So he's not only committed a sin of coveting another man's wife, not only committing the sin of adultery... But then he tries to cover up this sin, hide his sin Mm. from others by trying to get Uriah to come back and cover up what he's done, right? Which ultimately Uriah doesn't play the game. He remains, ironically in the story, loyal to the king, unknowing of what David has done and is murdered for it. He breaks almost every Ten Commandment here. There's, yeah. He lies. Lies keep going i mean he just does and then and then he tries to make him drunk to try to try to get him to sleep with his own wife and doesn't work out and so he just has him killed on the battlefield tells joab hey send him to the front line and have him killed yeah so he murders him and we're we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves but he's going to get confronted with his sin and it's going to be interesting to see <clears throat> how he responds how he responds and and so i think maybe for this first day we talked about there's a lot more in here for us, as, especially as men, but for women too, when it comes to temptation right. and remaining pure. Uh, you got to place the armor of God on, David. I mean, Ephesians talks about this. is You put on the armor of God. And the reason why you put on the armor, it's, it's interesting. We're talking about putting on the armor for battle. David is not putting on the armor for battle. He is laying on his couch. And when we lay on our couch and do not put the armor of God upon our, in the word of God in our head and our heart and our minds. And it's not in the forefront of what God's will is for our life. In that moment, we become relaxed and complacent and easily entangled mm-hmm. in sins. And once we're easily entangled in sin, we just keep going down this slide of, of sin. And, and this seems to be what, what David, what happened. He saw, he took, he ate, and, um, you know, this was, it's a big deal. The King David, a man after God's own heart. I mean, we, we know a lot of brothers who we love who have fallen into temptation after they have been faithful pastors for years. We've seen church members fall into the temptation like this after they've been faithful followers of Jesus for years. So what is it that we need to do? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And 
as we're putting on or maybe before we we put on the new testament calls us as followers of christ to put off the old self the flesh which is being corrupted and to put on christ so for the the christian i think it's really one of those things of it's a twofold thing so if you're struggling in these areas uh you need to put these things away right right you've got to put an end to those desires but I think equally important, like what you're saying, you arm yourself with the truth of God's word mm. and you wash your life by being cleansed by the work of the gospel. In get life. off the bench and get in the game. Get off the bench and get into the game of the kingdom of God. This is what we need to do as men. We need to see the kingdom advanced. We need to go into places of wickedness and destruction and death that do not mm. honor the Lord Jesus Christ and do not know him and go and share the gospel. Let's get in the game. Amen. Hey, Luke 15, we got a we got a gospel oh, yeah. passage. Sorry, Don't sorry forget that. that. Yeah, yeah, Luke 15. I, I was ready to end. A couple of good parables here. This is good. Really drawing out. Well, let me ask you. So we have the parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. What do you think is the big idea Jesus wants us to walk away with reading these words. He loves the sinners. And that's how he begins. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Mm-hmm. He, he, loves, he loves to see sinners return, repent, and find the Lord. Who rejoices in that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So should we. Yeah. Prodigal Son is a great passage i mean just looking at the two sons contrasted against each other but really it's seeing the father representing god the father right he stands ready to receive but what does he rejoice over if you're listening to this today you might need to be the son who returns to the father yeah and you can and he rejoices over the lost son who is now alive yeah and I just wrote down in my notes as we were kind of getting ready for this. It's like, does repentance bring you joy? Does seeing somebody repent of their sin and come to Christ bring you joy? Even if you were not part of the process of their coming to faith, do you not receive joy by seeing the work of right. God in the lives of other people? Yeah. And if we, if we <clears throat> don't, then we're becoming like the older son, right? right? That says... What's the deal? I've been with you and I've never done anything right. wrong. Well, here, here's, here's the real question. People who have wronged you, do you rejoice over them? Yeah. Being repentant. Finding the Lord. Big themes on repentance today. We're going to see if David's going to repent tomorrow. <clears throat> yeah, he is. Bible rundown. See you later.